Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Hamza Foy with Ihya 502 Podcast. In this episode of Reading Between the Lines, Mishkat and I will be reviewing the book Moral Capitalism, Why Fairness Won't Make Us Poor by Stephen Perlstein. To start off, uh, this book is a good recommendation for anybody who's not familiar with economics in general. Um, just first glance at this book, I felt like it, it gave a pretty comprehensive overlook of the kind of economics that you might study, um, at the university level. Uh, the language is very accessible though. Uh, don't, don't worry about getting mired in a lot of like jargon and like high level vocabulary. I feel like uh, Perlstein did a good job of, explaining the different parts of economics in kind of layman's terms. Um, Otherwise, I think in the book, there was a number of really interesting tidbits, and I'll let Mishkat introduce um, one of those that we kind of found in this book. Okay, Uh, we can can start with the concept of... um, Well, I wanted to start with just the name of the book, Moral Capitalism. Mm. I don't think... I think it's a... Uh, misnomer. I don't think there's anything moral about capitalism, but mm-hmm. this was an interesting book in terms of, you know, what capitalism has kind of done on a global level, but mm-hmm. I think it affects more the United States more than anything. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that the author talked about that I thought was really, really interesting was uh, social capital. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like an inherent, almost like an inherent concept of trust that you know we have between each other we have between businesses you know who expect our patronage and you know if we want to be customers to those businesses then they have to hold themselves up to a certain mm-hmm. you know threshold of not shadiness yeah so um that was really interesting you know some of the examples that he gives is you know first for someone if you're contracting for something to do to your house and you've not really worked with a contractor you'll give them like a deposit and you'll expect that they do the work Mm -hmm. and then they expect that you will pay off everything you know at the end or um you know you you go to a doctor's office and they give you medical advice and you trust that they've properly gone through the education and you'll, mm. you know, take their their word at their word, you know, take them at their word. And so I thought that was an interesting concept um, uh, and how I feel like that's diminishing now. Mm. Um, and there's actually another book, I think, that the one that we're going to do next time that talks about, you know, how how things are just being challenged left and right, whether mm. you're an expert or not. But I, I don't know. I thought that was a, an interesting concept in in light of the recent economic situation, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I do think that social capital is decreasing. Mm. It's it's reminded me, um, you know, a couple friends and I, we've, we've gotten together to do like multiple projects. I guess you could classify them as like nonprofit. And that's, that's one of the key attributes that we look at we look for is how, how will this help build trust? So how will this allow us to build trust among the public to continue doing like other projects like, um, Zeeshan, Kirk, Adam and I doing the sweat for Syria. Mm-hmm. You know, there was 
because obviously we weren't paid to do to to do that project um but in the end we were building social capital because you had potential like stakeholders who could donate who could contribute to the project the more projects you do successfully like in our eyes we we thought okay we're going to build trust and that will in turn and encourage people in the future to to help out with our endeavors Mm -hmm. um i think kind of branching off from that that topic it it was really interesting because i I don't have like a background in economics my degree was in history so i studied a little bit about economics but not not in such a bird's eye view macro level because like you said when it comes to different types of businesses there's going to have to be a level of trust there to facilitate transactions. So like you brought up the example, like somebody, you know, being paid as a contractor to work on your house, mm-hmm. you know, then there are going to be certain products, certain services that are going to be not as tangible. Mm-hmm. Like for example, like building websites, building apps. Okay. I would, you know, I would have to have, a level of trust from a customer that I'll be able to build based on their recommendations. Because once again, you're dealing with websites. It's less tangible than something like added or mm-hmm. amended to a house. So there's got to be a level of trust there that they have in like a web designer that, okay, if I describe it like an abstract description, you'll be able to build it. Mm-hmm. You know, that was another thing that he, he was he was pointing out in the book, just that the fact that, you know, there's so many different transactions that human beings can have with one another. Mm-hmm. And those different transactions are going to have to have like a level of trust so that the person who's performing the service or furnishing the good will actually meet the expectation of the person who's making that purchase for that good or that service. Um, I think that was something mentioned in the book that I thought was was interesting. And by the way, those listening, you're going to probably hear us thumb through the book. Um, I think the layout of the book, he was taking on like economics as a whole. So it does. It jumps around. Jumps a around little bit, yeah. a little bit. Um, there was something that I remember I marked off. Though, and this is going to be a different topic, but related to economics. And it was the concept of pre-distribution versus redistribution. So one of the issues that he tackles in the book is about the growing inequality, especially in the United States. I mean, he addresses the world as a whole, but once again, him as, as an author, he's more familiar with the United States. I think the United States also has the biggest equity gap, though. Yeah. And so he brings up the fact um, about if we want to level the the playing field, so to speak, in terms of our economics, in terms of trying to um, readjust that growing inequality, there's two different ways to go about it. And once again, as somebody who's studied U.S. history, I'm, when he brought this up, I was very familiar with it because in the United States, 
we have this whole concept of like culturally we're very antagonistic against redistribution unfortunately and especially in our later half of our history any form of redistribution typically gets tagged like socialism mm-hmm. like it you know and so he brings up the fact he's like okay if culturally we are antagonized by the idea of redistributing wealth mm-hmm. then okay we can in a way pre-distribute it and one of the examples he gave was the um, amending the minimum wage mm-hmm. to bring it closer to you know the quality of life that you know we hope that people can achieve um do you have any any thoughts on that discussion point that's the thing so the one thing that one thing i will say about this book and the way the author approached it is mm-hmm. you know his i guess we can call them solutions are very mm. idealistic right mm. everyone talks about you know raise the minimum wage and Man. that's beautiful mm. but then when you raise the minimum wage prices go up mm. right why prices go up because especially big companies corporations in particular they're so used to making that bottom line Mm. right it's like so intricate it's so convoluted Mm -hmm. they have to have a certain threshold and when you raise wages they either um lay off some of their workers because Mm. oh we cannot afford and i say afford in very 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 large air quotes yeah you know but the bottom line is it, it might cut into their profits a little bit Mm. But they don't want anything cutting into their profits at all. So what they do, they raise their prices. They lay Mm. off workers. And that just makes the whole situation worse. So, and again, I mean, I'm not, I don't know what regulations are in place, right? Mm. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know laws. I'm not an economist. So you you can raise the minimum wage all you want. Well, what else is going to come tagging along? Inflation. Mm. Yeah. Right? So... I don't think that pre-distribution is as wholesome of a solution mm. as this author is making yeah. out to be. Because I mean, who wants to, you know, who wants to admit, yeah, we're gonna let let our bottom line be a little bit lower so that we can pay our workers better. Mm. Um, same thing with redistribution. Who's gonna say, yep, you can take some of my wealth that I earned yeah. again, earned in quotes? Because I mean, I, I really just want someone. To sit there and hash out what people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk do on a day-to-day basis mm. that earns them 200 grand, 300 grand a minute, yeah. right? Mm. Like, what is it that you... <laughs> like, do you just combust and turn into a diamond every minute that yeah. you can justify, like, mm. being worth that much? Man. So... I mean, unfortunately, at this point, we've it's been, you know, this type of capitalism and consumerism has been so ingrained in us. It's very, very hard to get away from. It's very hard to counteract. Mm. And see, it's interesting because he does give a bit of a um, chronology to how we got to this point where corporations feel like they have to achieve this, quote unquote, bottom line Mm -hmm. because he describes that in the 60s 70s and in the 80s a lot of the companies a lot of the corporations were 
employee-centric. Yes, and consumer-centric. And consumer-centric. Right. And then you see this shift. And I think, going back to like the, the title of the book, and I'll be honest, I don't think the author really hit on this point enough, but it's, it's almost like you're going to have to achieve a culture shift that causes the companies and the corporations to return to that employee slash consumer centric model, Mm -hmm. that way of thinking that once again, that, that culture, because at present, you know, going to going back to, you know, the point that you made about the minimum wage, the other thing that I'm thinking in the back of my head is okay for corporations and companies, they may have the capital necessary to, okay, meet, the minimum wage hike, but mm-hmm. what about small businesses? Yes, small businesses get decimated. Because we're seeing right now, I mean, with with COVID and with the number of people, you know, quitting the workforce, mm-hmm. now you're seeing companies almost compete in like, once again, piecemeal mm-hmm. raises in their wages, but you're seeing it now. Yeah. And once yeah. again, it might get to the point where it, it affects smaller businesses where they simply can't they can't afford that they They, can't afford those wages exactly and after reading this book i mean i'll I'll be honest it it really shows me the fact that as americans and as like people in this country a a number of us aren't adequately educated Mm -hmm. to understand economics because he he does a good job in this book addressing the fact that both the main political parties, the Republicans and Democrats, they both, for for all of their economic policies, they, they both have a number of issues. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's speaking he's speaking out against the Republican affinity to like reduce the size of government have no safety net, Mm -hmm. try to spend nothing at all. And the fact that for the Democratic Party, the idea of higher taxation, more the redistributive Mm -hmm. um, policies that they want to push are anathema to most Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I wish... That he would have gone into more detail or perhaps come up with suggestions on how to address the 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 culture the mindset where now it's it's more about the the you know stockholders or shareholders mm-hmm. you know and so let's just maximize profit maximize profit maximize profit there needs to be something done to get people out of out of that line of thinking. I don't know if you would be able to achieve it through law or policy, especially because the, 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 the issue is, is especially with, with the globalized economy, mm-hmm. okay, let's say you try to force certain changes on companies mm-hmm. through law. Well, guess what? They're going to book it. They'll go to another exactly. country. Exactly, they will incorporate where... somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I mean, this this climate right now is like it, it's suffocating to customers and employees. Yes, mm-hmm. but you do anything about it, and it's going to suffocate 
mm-hmm. you know, corporations because they're going to be like, we can go elsewhere where mm-hmm. there is not any regulation at all. I mean, they already do it. You know, they're incorporated in the Cayman Islands and yeah. wherever the heck else is tax evasion and, mm-hmm. you know, non-extradition and all that jazz so that they can avoid, you know, paying yeah. what they... what people think they should pay mm-hmm. so you do anything and like it's like a thing of dominoes you know you, you you try to shift it from one side it topples on the other side mm-hmm. um well that's the thing is it's gone on so long yeah you know and it's you, you've got so the government regulates to a certain point right mm-hmm. like it'll regulate like you can't have a monopoly yeah um you know, we saw that like with the Aetna Humana merger. Yeah. You know, it was like, nope, you can't do it. Mm. You'll get too big. So it's like now the, corporations can get away with being shareholder centric mm-hmm. because you have so many consumers. I mean, just, just millions and billions of people who mm. are wanting to consume. And you know that if you lose one customer, probably another customer is going to take their spot. Mm-hmm. But the flip side is for customers, you also have more options, mm. right? You have, well, I don't like the way this company does this. Let me go to the other one. Yep. But you can never expect that a company is going to change its business practices because mm. why should it? Yeah. There are no incentives. You, you brought up another, um, another point when you were discussing, um, especially the fact that CEOs are being paid so much more Mm -hmm. than employees or management level um, staff. And another thing that he brings up in this book, and once again, it's a lot of the tidbits in the book aren't particularly tied to solutions to the problems he's addressing, but they definitely make you think. And one of them was the whole concept of just desserts the idea that Mm -hmm. especially in in older economies more like agrarian once again i'm going like history buff style Mm -hmm. agrarian agrarian economies so okay you you plant a field harvest the field you can point to exactly what you produced Mm -hmm. and say i'm owed this much i produced this much Mm -hmm. whereas the economies of now yeah it's either intelligence you know based not intelligence based but a lot of it it's automated automated or a lot of it is collaborative um and so in these collaborative economies with the more complex products being produced the more complex services being rendered it's a lot harder to point to something say i did x Mm -hmm. i'm owed y Okay, I mean, so many people engaged in that, but oddly enough, for the CEOs, it's 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 almost like, what what did you even collaborate on? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest, and maybe maybe you know, I'm being a little controversial, but it's kind of like, what did the CEO do? Right. You know, whereas you know, if I'm thinking like a tech company, you know, you've got these developers, you've got these quality assurance testers you know even even the managerials you know positions okay they're contributing something Mm -hmm. so it's like at that point we need to see not you know not as much disparity between pay Mm -hmm. especially for something that is so collaborative 
you know, once again, if, if you're working a factory or you're a farmer, okay, I get it. Like you can point made this or made 20 of this. Okay. I, I'm owed something for that. Mm-hmm. But in more collaborative economies, the more complex products, services, it's like you, you lose the ability mm-hmm. to really point to something and say, I'm owed this mm-hmm. for that. I think he, him bringing that up was, um, was an excellent point. Um, any, I think these days also, especially with large corporations, cause you talked mm-hmm. about, you know, CEOs and that was a good point. Like what do they, and I sit here and I wonder, cause I work for a, you know, pretty big company. And so I sit here and I wonder like, what do CEOs do mm-hmm. in a day yeah. that they should make so much money? Mm-hmm. Right. Because to me, the way I see it, the higher up you go on the corporate ladder, the less time you put in, the less work you put in, and the less you get into the weeds, right? Mm-hmm. Upper level leadership, senior level leadership does not want the nitty gritty. They want like the 50,000 foot overview, mm-hmm. like give me X, Y, and Z. Don't say X squared plus, you know, yeah. don't, don't give me details. And I see that at my job all the time. So I think to offset that, I think that these like upper level, C-level um, personnel, they're also being paid to assume risk, mm. right? So they assume a certain amount of risk, a certain amount of liability if mm. the company goes completely kaput or if mm. there's like, in my case, because I do cybersecurity, if there's like a giant breach, mm. right? Then you start, you know, you're basically in the hot seat for to the government because depending on how bad the breach is, if it was mm. politically motivated, then you're, you know, trouble in trouble like, lawfully Mm. you've got legal battles that start happening you've got you know class action lawsuits if you've lost a whole bunch of data or you know whatever whatever happened Mm. so i think that these days um ceos and c-level officers are also paid depending on the amount of risk that they take or Mm. depending on it's all perception right it's all perception based Mm. now if because uh, there have been a bunch of breaches, there have been mm. many, and I, again, I'm focusing on like the cybersecurity side of it because that's what I know the most about. Mm. Target breached, you know. Mm. Um, who was the? I, I can't remember. I think it was a, an Anthem. Anthem was breached at some mm. point, really bad. ECW um, medical records breached. Yeah. You know, Target breached. Mm. Um, Equifax. Yeah. We all remember the Equifax breach. I mean, mm. man. So. I don't think anybody went to jail for those breaches. Maybe people were fired. Mm. But it's like, if you're going to get paid to assume the risk, then assume the risk, have the consequences. Yeah. <laughs> and have your wealth taken away mm-hmm. if something like this happens. But we don't see that. Yeah. So they would have us believe this. But that's mm. not really what happens. So again, begs the question, if it's not A, the work that you do in a day, and it's not B, the risk that you assume, mm-hmm you know, over the course of business, why are you getting paid so much? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's really interesting because you brought up like these various breaches. I mean, we've seen certain companies, corporations, we've seen, you know, them brought to trial, that sort of thing. And typically it turns into, you know, they have to pay a certain amount. But once again, that, that certain amount that, they're having to pay is typically a drop in the bucket Mm -hmm. in terms of the overall money that they are making. Um, 
any any last thoughts i think it's interesting a lot of workplaces in general whether they're big and small also have a it's an unwritten unspoken rule in most Mm. places some places go so far as to actually write it down and it's a no talking about pay rule you know Mm. so you're gonna see what the ceo makes because like you know he's the top level but in you know like within your department or within your team Mm -hmm. you're not really supposed to say hey how much do you make tell Mm. me how much you make because then what happens then if they make more than you for the same work then you're going to go to your manager and say, hey, yeah. what the heck? <laughs> so I, I think that there's just so many things that bigger businesses who have run unchecked to create this whole capitalistic mm. consumerism, you know, mm. the, 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 they jump through their own hoops to mm. keep it that way, to mm. get away with tax evasion and to get away with shady business practices and bad quality and lack of quality assurance. Mm. So again i mean it's 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 like a vicious feedback loop you know how do you regulate them without them saying well i'm gonna leave bye-bye yeah um what do you do you say well you can't export your goods to the united states if you were originally a united states company and now you're gonna incorporate elsewhere because you didn't like the rules you know that's not very realistic either (laughs) but something's gotta give Mm -hmm. and see the, the thing that I've always felt, even before reading this book, because I've, you know, going through college, I would always hear the debates about like capitalism versus socialism versus, you know, other, other economic systems. (laughs) Yeah. You can say it. Um, People's grievances with capitalism typically can be traced back to what you discussed, Mm. which is, you know, as a small business, you know, you've got to deal with the risk. You've got to deal with the challenges of, of running your business. But once you get to a certain size, mm-hmm. legally, you you have all these different loopholes, all these mechanisms mm-hmm. to basically get away, not with murder, but get, get away with Some of them bad might. business practices. You never know. Yeah. And the thing that irks me about the people who get frustrated, especially with like the, you know, millennials or with like college educated adults who are getting a little frustrated with the current capitalist system. If you did away with the good old boys club that Mm -hmm. you get to enter in when your company or corporation gets so big, Mm -hmm. if you did away with that and you had the, even playing field throughout mm-hmm. no matter the size of your company i feel like people people wouldn't have so much grievance but because and, and not just that that's one of the grievances the other that he doesn't talk about because it's not really like the topic of his book is for example like the historical disparity like the way um different races were treated in the United States when it came to economics. Mm-hmm. So like when I'm I'm thinking, you know, 1930s and 40s, you had the redlining. When, you know, we were we came out of the Great Depression, the government was trying to reinvest throughout the United States. They redlined, okay, black communities wouldn't mm-hmm. be given anything. Right. You know, various immigrant communities wouldn't be given anything. If if you did not have that going on as well as this sort of good old boys club 
that you can get into if your company gets big enough to where you can have bad business practices and get a slap on the wrist, I don't think people would have as much grievance with capitalism. Mm -hmm. But because you had that here in this country, now you're having more and more people challenge and become frustrated with the current system. Mm -hmm. And especially when people aren't educated in economics, Mm -hmm. for them, it's not little piecemeal fixes for them. It's, well, let's just, let's just wipe the whole board. Mm -hmm. Because once again, a lot of Americans aren't educated in economics. So they wouldn't even be able to parse through the little piecemeal changes that you need to make to make a a more fair system. Does that make sense? It does. Mm -hmm. It does. And I think, I know we we, we need to wrap this up. (laughs) I didn't think we'd be able to, you know, (laughs) <laughs> Go at such length about this particular book, seeing as it is about economics. You know, yeah. that's not really. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pertinent and relevant issue. But I think you know, businesses they have their disaster recovery plans and their business continuity plans, and mm. what to do if X, Y, and Z goes wrong and directly impacts that mm. business. But these practices are not sustainable. Mm. Who's gonna buy your goods if everybody is poor? Mm-hmm. Where does your business go then? Because the top 10% or the top 1% aren't going to generate you enough business. There's too many corporations around for that. They're going to give a little bit here, a little bit there, and you might go belly up like all the the lower class people who did because their business practices are just not conducive. They're not conducive to, you know, people in, in, you know, less privileged Areas getting a good education, getting good jobs, keeping those jobs, building wealth. And when you don't have that, when you don't have these fair business practices, none of it is sustainable. And I feel like businesses don't think about that. They don't think about, well, here's the community that we're in, Mm -hmm. right? And, And I mean, now businesses have gone online. So like the world is their community. So if this poor area can't afford our products, well, there's somebody else. I mean, they might be overseas, that can do it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it's not sustainable for the business either. And like, I, the thing that always gets me is like, what is so terrible about having something that benefits everyone? Mm-hmm. Like healthcare, like mm-hmm. universal healthcare. People are like, no, I don't want to pay for your healthcare and yada, yada, yada. You're sitting here paying for a, you know, 100 and something billion dollar military machine for what yeah. for what I, I just people's people's and it, it goes to a lack of education mm-hmm. but you can't have education if the prices of university are like fifty thousand dollars a year just to get you know yeah. a, an arts degree mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense no. so it goes back to being just a very vicious feedback loop that mm-hmm. somebody somewhere very very smart has to break <laughs> There's one, so there's one solution. When I say solution, I know for listeners, you don't have a lot of context, which is why I suggest you read the book. <laughs> um, but one of the solutions to the fact, he, he brings up in the book the fact that our economy is a lot different than the economy of 50, 100, 200 years ago, and that a larger portion of our economy has to do with products being produced and services being rendered that rely on a um, certain level of education, 
um, a certain level of intelligence. And he said this is also explaining some of the inequality because over the past 50 years, we've lost a lot of like our manufacturing here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, the manufacturing sector, you didn't really, you didn't really need a good education. You didn't need a high intelligence because it was that factory system. Mm-hmm. Each person played a role. You know, you're adding a part to a car. Once it's out of the conveyor belt, okay, it's a complete car. Mm-hmm. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. So it was very, it was very mundane in that in that way. Our agrarian culture, once again, you're planting, you're harvesting. Doesn't you don't need an education for that. You don't need a high intelligence. But in our economy today, a lot of the products that we're producing, a lot of the services being rendered. You're needing to learn maybe a programming language. Mm -hmm. You're needing to attain a certain level of education. And I feel like one of the solutions to bridge that gap is for companies to go back in and basically, in in a way, although, yes, it's going to take some financial Uh, resources from that company but they're going to have to go through and take people on board Mm -hmm. and educate them and then you know allot them into open positions within their company and locally we do have um i think i brought this up to you humana was doing the um, ui ux academy Mm -hmm. so they were taking people and they were they were specific about zip codes they were like uh, because a lot of the zip codes were like um, either the South End or or West End of Louisville. If you're from this zip code, mm-hmm. we want to bring you onto this program. We will train you, yeah. then hire you. All right. We need to see more companies go in and do that, especially mm-hmm. especially. And I think COVID has actually forced the hand of a number of companies because they're realizing crap. A lot of people are mm-hmm. quitting we have to fill these positions, mm-hmm. but we don't have the workers with the proper education to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's just bring them in, yeah. educate them, fill our positions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's going to be a, a good s- solution to at least address the education slash intelligence gap mm-hmm. with our modern economy. And I wish he brought up the fact that the economy is a lot more suited for high intelligence um, greater educated, you know, roles. Mm-hmm. He brought up that issue, but I wish he he would have talked about that solution that I brought up or, mm-hmm. or other solutions. Um, this book for readers, I definitely suggest you read it, especially if you don't have a sound understanding of economics. Once again, it's in very layman's terms. You don't have to worry about, um, high level vocabulary he he has a number of helpful charts mm-hmm. that also explains um some of the economic um points that he discusses it is going to be very broad so don't worry about this being focused on only one part of economics it's a very broad overview mm-hmm. um it's, that's why i made it you know that's why it was a little difficult to discuss just because he is talking so broadly but once again, I definitely suggest this book. 
It is called Moral Capitalism, Why Fairness Won't Make Us Poor by Stephen Perlstein. You can get it on Amazon, Carmichael's Bookstore, wherever. Um, any any last thoughts? Or? It's, a, it's a really good book to kind of like an entry-level book to economics, you know, mm-hmm. something that won't overwhelm. You know, if you're just starting out and trying to learn, because I think people think of economics and think, oh, that's boring. Who wants to talk about money and wealth and long business practices? Yuck. Like, that's boring. But it scares me. Like, the current, like, political and economic climate is scary. And, you know, I think of, you know, what do we do if we lose one of our incomes? What do we do if... Mm you know like the the prices the price of bread has gone up milk has gone up Mm -hmm. you know i remember when loaves of bread were like 20 cents (laughs) you know so it it scares me and i think that everybody should educate themselves on something that is just so integral to our survival that Mm. you know it's uh, if we want to go back to an, an agrarian society we don't need this, but who yeah. wants to go back to planting in fields and, you know, <laughs> relying on the weather and the climate, which is going haywire. Yeah. So I think that everybody should take the time to figure out what's going wrong where, because mm-hmm. right now it is, it's, it's pretty wrong. I, I would suggest, and obviously this advice is for myself as well, study economics, make sense of the actual, um, practical side of economics so that you're better educated when you're reading about whether it's issues here at home here in the United States or issues abroad economically Um, because I feel like unfortunately a number of media persons a number of politicians play on that general lack of no understanding just you you don't understand economics and so they can they can sell you snake oil Mm -hmm. basically you know um so i I definitely would suggest this book um it's not it's not a lot of reading maybe what 200 something pages 200 something pages so really really good book um thank you for tuning in uh you can catch this podcast on youtube spotify or apple podcasts we have rolled out a new podcast website. Feel free to leave feedback, whether about the website or the podcast in general. And if you ever want to hop on the mic, please feel free to reach out to me. Jazakallah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.